0: Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of College and Career Coffee Chats with your host Delicia Alarcón, your resident hype and grad school fairy godmother with some cafecito always. I hope you grab your café, your water, your tea, your lléva your wine if it's after hours to listen in on this co- conversation about college and career, following your bliss, figuring out what you want to do in life, eliminating the gatekeeping and the fancy big words that we use in higher education and corporate settings to really gatekeep first-gen and BIPOC individuals so I hope this podcast serves as a space where you feel heard seen and safe to have all these conversations and ask all the hard questions and the big questions. Hi everyone, welcome back to the college and career coffee chat. Today I'm so excited because I have someone all the way on the west coast with me. Her name is Faiza and I'm going to introduce her and a little blurb about her life experiences and then we're going to get right into it because she has a wealth of knowledge and so much life experience that I think is going to really support any students who's, who's listening to us. So if you are listening in again, welcome back. So, Thesa has nearly a decade of experience in the entertainment industry. She has worked with major studios and production companies such as Warner Brothers, E! Entertainment, Endemol, Shine North America, Magical Elves, and Vin. D. Bona Productions, and her extensive experience in the industry includes onset production, contract management, contract drafting, rights management, licensing, deal negotiation, rights and permissions, and project management. She received her Juris Doctor from the University of Detroit Mercy School of Law, as well as Master of Arts in Bioethics and Bachelor of Arts in Political Science from Loyola Marymount University. She is currently the clearance manager at Tennis Channel and she is a dedicated sports broadcasting network that reaches over 60 million households in the United States. So, if you are interested in law school, entertainment industry, LA, west coast type of life and energy, I am so excited for this conversation because this is what she's all about. So, without further ado, we're going to cheers our little drink because don't forget it is a coffee chat. (laughs) She had a little smoothie today. I have some tea. So cheers. (laughs) So if you hear us slurping or like something that pounds, it's probably our mug or our coffee. So (laughs) beware. Um, So without further ado, would you like to introduce yourself wherever you want to start? If you want to start with entertainment industry or, or law school, um, this is mostly about your story and what you're all about. So welcome.
1: Sure. Thank thank you so much for having me. I'm really I'm really excited to share my experience because I've had a very I've had a very interesting path to where I am <laughs> today and where I still want to go. It's sure. I always say my life was like the road less traveled and it might seem backwards to people, it might seem a bit like wow, you took a really big detour, but Without that experience, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. Mm -hmm. I want to be the person that I am in the workforce. Um, I'm very particular about how I conduct myself at work and what I expect at work. So Mm -hmm. those are things that are important to me. And I got that from all the
0: experiences I had. Walk us through a little bit of your um, law school experience and degree. I know you mentioned that the first year was really tough and you had maybe not the greatest GPA. I want people listening to realize that they can still be very successful, graduate with their law degree, even though they might've had some rough patches, because I feel like there's this myth that you have to be this perfect student and everyone is getting A's, but that's not the true. That's not the case.
1: It's not. And I mean, depending on what school law school you go to, um, you know, especially, uh, unfortunately the law school, industry, the legal profession is still extremely elitist. So Mm -hmm. if you go to a top 10 school like Michigan, Yale, Harvard, you know, everything's kind of run on a curve. Their curves are a lot higher than where my school was, where we were on a C plus curve. They were more, I hear like those schools they're on a B curve or they don't even have Mm -hmm. a GPA. So you kind of already working at a disadvantage. And unfortunately, you know, where you go to school matters for the first job. But okay. after that, it doesn't matter. After that, then it's then it becomes your experience and what they're like. Okay, this
0: is what you can do. All right, great. So, what do you think is a good idea for a plan B if someone? is in law school, and then they figure out, they're like, I'm not good with standardized tests, I don't want to take the bar, or they just simply decide that that's not where their next step is. How do you navigate that kind of life decision? So I know for me
1: personally, I'm in that boat. Um, I still have not passed a bar exam. It's been seven years. I mean, and you know, I mean, my, my path was very different. Like, I didn't take it for right. seven years straight. I probably, I attempted maybe a few times, and I just felt you know, this is not right. I'm not going to keep taking it just to take it because I'm wasting my time, my money and <laughs> my, my, my energy, you know, like I think the last time I took it before I took a very long break, I was exhausted. Like I didn't do right. well. And I think I was just kind of running on low thinking I can make something happen. And I think when I took that break, it was really important for me to say, I'm not a failure because of mm-hmm. it. You know, I've have a lot of life experience and work experience at that point, this was in 2015, where I will, I can get far. Like I just Mm -hmm. need a little bit more and I'll be fine. Right. And the bar, and I learned the bar exam is always going to be there. It's not going away. They're not doing away with this bar exam. Even even the pandemic, they're not doing away with this. This is still their only standard that they have. It's going to be there for me when I, when I come back to it, you know? And I think if you find yourself in a circumstance where you know, and I took it again in 2018 and failed, but, you know, I think I learned over the years what's been going on. It's given me a good view as to why does this keep happening and how I can right. do better. And I just found, like, it's going to take me a little longer and I need a little bit more time than others do. So, like, right. when you study, it's, um, you're studying two, three months because you just graduated from law school, you have a review course, you take, you, you have nothing to do other than studying. But I work. You know, and I can't, people go, just give up your job. I'm like, who's going to pay my bills? So I have to right. come up with a way where that works. And people have worked in past. Like, it's not a new thing. It's not, it's uncommon, but it's not impossible. Right. You know? and I'm just trying to figure out what works for me. If it means I'm studying for six months to nine months, then that's me. That's my life, you know? But if, it, if right. you do it in three months, like everybody else, that's fine too. It's, you have to mm-hmm. learn what works for you because In the end, this is your career. It's not somebody else's career. Right. And if you think it's time to walk away and you have something else in your life that fits better, that's okay too. You just have to give yourself the grace that this is not what it's meant to be used for in this way for now, but it can always change. Everything's always subject to change. It doesn't, (laughs) you know, like everything can change on a dime. So just because you're not the lawyer and you've tried, you're not a, I, I, you're not a failure. I'm certainly not a failure. I don't think I'm a failure. Do I wish I made more money? Do I wish I made, you know, may not have had it as hard. Yes, absolutely. I think we all want it to be a little bit easier, but your challenges and your experiences shape who you are and it helps you reinforce and reevaluate what is important to you. So if Mm -hmm. you find in the end that, Hey, I just want to do like this in-house job, that kind of uses my law degree and I do nine to six and I have kids, but I still have a life. You're not a failure. Right. Cause you don't have a, you don't have a bar license and you're not actively practicing. That's right. that's your life. Like that's you. And I think we need to not compare ourselves to others because that happens a lot in this legal, like people are sizing people up every day of the mm-hmm. week and there's no need for it. I think, I think that's why I'm right. not friends with a lot of lawyers for this reason. <laughs> Because it's not, that's not good for mental health, you know, but just give yourself the grace that it's okay. Like, and if you want to keep trying, that's cool too. Like I've known people who've tried six, seven times and finally passed. I know people who've passed four or five times. They pass like, it's doable, but it's based on what's going on in your life and what works and what works for you. You can only do what works best for you. And if you decide to walk away, that's okay. But no, don't have any regrets doing what you did.
0: Absolutely. So make sure you do what's right for you. Figure out if the exam is actually something you want to take. And if not, that's okay. Give yourself grace and you will still be successful. So thank you for sharing that piece of your story because I think it's so important for students to realize that it's not the end of the world and you're not a failure. Yeah,
1: it's not. And I think there's so much riding on it. And there is. And Back in the day, they had jobs where it was dependent. You got to work for it at the beginning, but in order to continue, you had to pass the exam. Mm-hmm. And now a lot of law firms are getting pa- are moving away from that because mm-hmm. there's too much risk. So right. there's one less pressure. Some jobs still might do it, but it's not as much from what I hear. But just give yourself that opportunity. Like, it's okay if you fail. It's sad. Give, give, give yourself time to grieve. I think people are right. like, oh, I can't do it. Be sad about it because it's something you worked hard for and you didn't pass. Right. You're allowed to be sad. Right, right. But also at the same time, give yourself the grace, like, maybe you have to wait a little bit or maybe you take it soon after. Or maybe you have to evaluate how you're studying and what you're doing right and wrong. And right. really objectively look at it. So... In the end, it's really like it goes back to do what's best for you because it's your career. It's your life. You know, at the end of the day, it's not your parents' career. It's not their life. It's yours and yours alone. Yeah. Um, So when I went to law school, I actually applied twice. I applied before I graduated from college in 2006. Mm -hmm. I didn't get in anywhere except one school and i didn't want to go there. Actually it was <laughs> waitlisted. I didn't even get in. I got waitlisted. I'm like, Man, "I'm not going." But I want to see if I want to still be in the industry. That's how i got into entertainment because i right. had an opportunity to try it out and see if this was the industry for me, and it still was, you know. I was encouraged and you know, people my boss was actually very supportive when i said, "Hey, i'm leaving." And she's like, "I know this is what you wanted to do, so i'm happy that you did, I'm happy that you were <laughs> able to finally do it." Um so I think for that it. I applied twice, and then the second time I applied, um, I did slightly better. I think it wasn't my GPA; it was my LSAT score. That's what okay. it was. Um, unfortunately, a lot of schools live and die by that score, mm. and I, 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 don't do well on tests. That's just the reality. I just can't yeah. do it. I just. Who does? I, I, you know, I mean, I go over and like, "Oh." Oh, you were the, you were an honor student. How did you get like this one forty something? I'm like that's just how it was. I, I the, <laughs> but yeah, when, it's a breeze. The it's a breeze compared to the bar exam. That's what I will say. Like <laughs> I look, I'm like probably could ace the whole thing. So I didn't get in because of my scores. There was nothing. That was the only reason. Like they don't tell you why, but. I had a pretty good idea what was going on. Like they do scaling and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of one of those weird students. I just don't fit. So it doesn't make sense. Um, So I applied again and I actually ended up going to grad school. A lot of going to grad school was to have extra degree. I'm like, maybe I can up my soft factors (laughs) and show that I'm working full time and going to grad school. I have another degree is slightly better. I got accepted to two <laughs> schools and three schools instead of zero. So, but I applied everywhere. I applied yeah. everywhere and I made it a point because California, they have something called like CBA schools, so California Bar Accredited. And then there's schools called ABA approved. They're, mm-hmm. they're approved by uh, and accredited by the American Bar Association. It was important for me to go to an ABA school because, mm-hmm. in the event I don't want to practice in California forever, you know, when I'm applying to take the bar exam in any other state, I'm not going to have that difficulty. But if I went Got to it. a CBA school, if I wanted to go and do the, the uniform bar exam in, in Arizona, I'm going to have a lot of issues. Cause it's like, you didn't come from an ABA school. So, oh. so it was very, that's why I applied all over the country. So I, and I didn't apply to any California bar accredited schools that were only just for that because then I'd have such a hard time. Right. And I, right. It's a lot lower for those schools. So while I could have gone into those schools, pretty sure, and they were probably a lot cheaper, I was just thinking my long game, I'm like, I might want to move one day. <laughs> so right. yeah. I want to that option and portability Be- because there wasn't mm-hmm. much portability to even begin with. The uniform bar exam or the UBE wasn't really a thing until maybe 10 years ago when mm-hmm. I started law school, when they finally started to seriously talk about it. Right. So when I, um, so then I applied and then I got into law school. So the school I ended up going to Detroit Mercy, let's just say I never visited it. I just (laughs) applied cold. I'm like, we'll see how this goes. I applied, uh, I visited some other schools, but I didn't get into those. So I'm just like, you know, I looked at it. I just kind of looked at it statistically. I'm like, okay, they're doing all right in Michigan. You know, when it comes to the bar exam at the time, you know, they were second to U of M. I'm like, you know, they might not be known, but they're doing something right. 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 Unfortunately, when that happens, it doesn't apply anymore because our bar exam scores started to get lower and it was becoming harder. And we were, you know, from being near the top of the pack, we were now in the middle or the bottom of the pack when it came to the bar exam. And that's when the, the great recession hit. Okay. Um, and the year I applied everyone applied you know people who didn't want to go to law school applied and you know and it, it made me i was i'm still a bit resentful of that because i'm sure i could have gone to some other schools right. if there were less people but because mm-hmm. there's so much competition it's kind of like I, i'm at least wanting to be a lawyer what about you you're mm-hmm. just because you don't know what's going on and so you right. told me that like, i don't know what to do because of the recession and i felt like that takes away from a student who actually is hungry and really wants to be a lawyer because it is professional school. Mm-hmm. So I still resent that, that people did that, <laughs> but you know, in the end, every I did end up getting in somewhere. So it wasn't yeah. the end of the world. Um, yeah. So when you start, when you do your first year, um, the first year curriculum is pretty much the same nationwide. You take a certain amount of, class, amount of classes. Um, they're in, let me see if I can remember, contracts, proper real property torts which is basically kind of like negligence right i'm trying to explain it without using the legal terms no, you know it's Famedia, okay that, that can be part of the students that's what torts is in a nutshell ambulance chasers um ambulance chaser. slip and fall that's torts. um because torts is a weird name like what the what is that yeah yeah, yeah. um constitutional law I actually ended up doing you my school we did our second year criminal law we also did my second year but some okay. schools did their first year um a legal writing course that you do for the year I'm trying to think what else is there I'm sure there's some more yeah and depending on like if I've heard lower rank schools they tend to do like this applicate this real life application course for the for first year students I don't hear it at bigger schools but like we had one it was useless but it saved my gpa because it was the highest grade i had that year so
0: for me those classes
1: i I, i'm like it saved me i'm like everyone's like this class is so useless i'm like no i'm doing so well in this class (laughs) so i you know it was the first time moving away from home i moved from la to michigan Um, you know, and I didn't know my sense of direction in Michigan. I thought Detroit and Ann Arbor were like 20 minutes away, ended up being 50 minutes away and 50 miles. So I was doing a monster commute every single day for school, but I didn't mind it because again, I think balance was very important to me. Like, I wanted to go home to be a refuge. I didn't want to be near everybody in Detroit in law school. Even though, I mean, I made friends. I didn't. I did That's not going without saying. But right, I right. Felt like it was important to still separate. You know. Okay. Even though go out with friends. I'm like, no, no law school talk. I, I need to relax for a while. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I I remember stuff like that is I think even my balance was always a big deal because it always, right. always so important for me to compartmentalize and separate things. You know, right, everything right. has its time and place. Right. Um, I love
0: that. Keep that in mind, friends. If you're listening, start setting those boundaries early in grad school in undergrad, when you're applying to a job, it's so important, I think for our mental health because or else everything can easily bleed together. And then you're just like burnt out overworked and don't be a martyr. We don't need that. We don't need to be a sacrificial lamb.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, law and law school is already so tough as it is. It's like, it's it's intense. You're learning a different way to think Mm -hmm. that, you know, when you talk to people outside, they don't understand (laughs) because you see it so differently because your thought process is so different now having gone into law school because you have to learn And analyze you know cases and and rule of law in a in a different way than you normally
0: would like as a layman person would Mm -hmm. so you know how would you you describe that new way of thinking that you learned in law school
1: it's um it's very methodical and Uh it's also you really have to look at every side every Mm -hmm. dimension of it um and you know people joke like when you ask them a legal question and we'll go, Oh, it depends. People hate <laughs> that, but it's the truth. We, it's we, it's true. a joke to us, but it's like, it's the truth because I can see it in so many different ways. Right. But also too, the, the, the thinking that I have adopted because of law school, you don't take a lot of crap. You know, you, you just mm. don't like, you know, when somebody's lying, you know, when somebody's bluffing, you know, when they're kind of playing you for a fool and you just know immediately because you kind of are under, because when you are in law school, when you're doing cases or when you're doing like a moot court argument or an oral argument for like school, you have to learn the other side. You have to learn right. the other side's arguments. And I mean, that, that happens in debate. Like if you are it right. a participant in debate, you have to learn the other side and make counterpoints to it. You cannot be a good lawyer unless you understand the other side. Mm. So, I feel like for me, sometimes I, it helps me to be a little bit more diplomatic in that sense, but then with things I'm very sure of, I'm pretty like adamant and like I can double down on stuff. So I think it just makes you more confident in the way you think. Sometimes people take that as you being condescending or rude Mm -hmm. or not understanding. And it's just, it got to me at first, but at the same time, it's just like you didn't go to law school, so you wouldn't understand. And that's okay.
0: That's completely Mm -hmm. fine. Right. Yeah. So if you're if you're listening and you're thinking of law school, I think this is a great um, kind of overview and explanation as to it's a new way of thinking. It's a new way of looking at the world. It's a different framework as to how you engage and interact with people, not only in your work environment, but I feel like it affects also your day to day life and how you navigate the world. Right.
1: Yeah, it does. And I think when I remember my mom would ask me some like legal questions and I go, well, this is the answer. And she didn't like it. I'm like, just because you don't like it, it doesn't change. Like, this right. is what
0: happens.
1: Like, for X, yeah. Y, and Z. Like I, and sometimes it might come off as cold. And right. I think sometimes that's, that, that's the problem with law school, too. When you're learning this way, it makes you a bit cold. Um, okay. And I know, like, when I did a clinic, so one of the clinics I did was called Criminal Child Clinic. And what we did was we went to a court in Metro Detroit, a courthouse, and we were basically the student public defender. Um, And I remember I would try to tell, and a lot of our, it was misdemeanors. We never, we could, we could not do felonies. I don't (laughs) want you to depend on me for a felony, for a felony case. Um, But it's usually driving with a suspended license. That's usually what it was. Those were most of our cases, and people weren't paying. Um, And sometimes it was, I had a challenge because I do get emotional, I can get emotionally involved with people, but I felt like I had to, I felt like I had to take a a big step back. And I just had to say, you, you can't do it this way. Like you have to pay it. Like I'm telling you this court wants money. So if you can figure out a way to get money to pay your, your outstanding warrants, we're good. And they'll, and they're trying to explain to me why they can't. And it's like, and a lot of times they think I'm with the court. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, I'm not with the court. I'm, I'm trying to help you understand that this is the only, this is the only avenue you have right now in order to pass and not right. to go to jail. Cause the thing was we didn't want anybody going to jail and sitting there for 30 days. Cause they couldn't pay money. You right, know?
0: Right. Yeah.
1: But there was a disconnect because when you get too cold, there's too much of a disconnect and then they're not as trusting. And I've had clients, they would tell me one thing, <coughs> excuse me. And then, they would add all this extra stuff to the judge. And I'm like, and my eyes would bulge out. I'm like, why didn't you tell me this?
0: And then I would have
1: to say to the judge, your honor, this is the first time I'm hearing this. Mm. (laughs) So I'm like, and I felt, I I mean, I'm like, why didn't you tell me? Like, I could have said that. And I would tell me everything, like, see if it could work, but it has to be more of, because we would go like, hey, like, this is your first time. You've never gotten into this trouble. You're working. You're trying to pay here and there. Like, give me stuff to work with. But mm-hmm. I felt like sometimes there was this impression with lawyers, like you're just going to make it go away. Right. And sometimes it's not true. Right. That may not be always – because we can't guarantee anybody anything. Right. And if there's right. a lawyer that's guaranteeing you stuff, they're liars they're not good lawyers and they're absolute liars because they cannot guarantee, they can give you good probability, but they
0: can never guarantee anything because it's not up to them. And I think it also, that's true in life. Nothing is guaranteed in life. Mm -hmm. And we especially know that now with everything that's going on in the world, it's like, there's no guarantee. So I think just, take it a step at a time slowly but surely and um, figure out what works best for you if it's law school if it's applying to a job if it's figuring out entertainment or I don't know whatever your interest is like follow that kind of curiosity I think that's also what I'm hearing from your story is you've also followed your curiosity and what you actually like even though it might not be like a passion project like photography but it's something that you like and it's you follow that curiosity, that kind of life. The
1: context is fun. I mean, the context of entertainment and sports is always fun because it's stuff I'm familiar with. It's stuff I've always been interested in. So for me, I say I like my job because I love the context I'm in. Right. You know, I think when you get down to it, your actual, actual job, especially in corporate America,
0: right.
1: I don't want to say it could be very menial, but it could become redundant or monotonous or tedious because who likes punching in numbers all day? You like the context you're in. You like where it right. can take you one day. But you just kind of deal with, okay, I just got to do this to do that and be, and that's the end of it. For me, right. you know, I'm like, my job is interesting because it's different every single day. Like one right. day I could be redlining a licensing agreement. Another day I could just be clearing content all day long, asking people for permission, you know? Mm-hmm. Or I'm like distributing like a cue sheet or any, like my days, there might be days where I do nothing because I'm waiting for a lot of stuff to come back. Mm-hmm. But my days are always different. Like it's never... For me, I'm just like, all right, what, what does my email say today? That's kind of how I do my day, pretty much. Right, right. So, you know, I think- I love that. I like that it is different. And it's, it's an area that I've always liked. And, it was, oh, and I, it was something where I'm like, hey, I did good with my, my law degree, at least for now. You know, and yeah. it's just another stepping stone because my goal is still to be an attorney. That has never gone away. <laughs> but I've just, you know, I've yeah. just realized that it's going to take me a while. It's hard to study and work full-time. It's very difficult.
0: So Yeah, and be a full human, right? We have the right to be a full human and do the things we love. Um, And I think – I love your story, too, because you share that it's not a narrow path. It's not A plus B equals C. It can be A plus Z equals D, you know, kind of – and it's not wrong. It's not out of the ordinary. I think it's pretty ordinary that a lot of people – may not know what they want to do right out of college and they try different things and then they figure it out. And that's okay too. Um, Knowing what you know now and all your experiences, what would you have told your younger self? A piece of advice.
1: I'd like to say that I'm a recovering perfectionist. So I'll answer it in that sense, uh, some days it's still, I'm still perfectionist, but not as much as I wasn't in, in high school or okay. college. I lightened up a little bit more too. Um, I think what I would tell myself is it's okay. Like mm. if you got a C see on a paper, it's fine. It doesn't define you. And Yes, you do need that motivation and adrenaline to push yourself, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but don't burn yourself out. It's not worth Mm -hmm. it. It's so not worth it. Because then when you look back, you're just like, all I did was this. Mm -hmm. And I don't want my younger self to ever feel future younger self or whatever, or reincarnate (laughs) whatever that is, that um, it's okay. Like nobody's and you are out to do your own path and I think the pressure to be perfect um came from family because like my parents didn't finish college my mom didn't my dad didn't only did high school mm-hmm. um and I saw how hard they worked with their jobs my dad had at one point had three jobs just to pay my my tuition because he made mm-hmm. it a point that I, I had to go to private school my whole life mm-hmm. so in a way I just didn't I didn't want what they did to go in vain But at the same time, I understand that our lives are very different. Like I have different opportunities than my parents had and it's okay to figure out what that is. Right. Like you're not failing them. And, Mm -hmm. and that's how I felt when my dad passed away and I was like doing so poorly in law school. Like I, I wasn't, I wasn't academically expelled, but I was pretty close. (laughs) Yeah. To myself, I'm not going to get that 3.0 that I wanted. And I think I came to that realization when I was calculating my grades one day, I'm like, it's not going to happen. And I remember I was sad at that moment, but I'm like, it's okay. Like I'm finishing
0: and right. I'm doing
1: better each semester. And that's what, then that's what counts. Like I'm right. not stagnant. I'm always making some sort of progress. And I think, I wish I told my 25 year old self, you know, 10 years ago, like it's cool. Like you know, dad's yeah. not mad at you. Dad just wants you to be successful, so he didn't suffer. So he, you wouldn't suffer as much as he did. And right. I think I still carry that with me, and I'm okay now. But I think I always want to be better because of mm-hmm. it. But I can give myself the grace that I'm not going to mm-hmm. get it every single time, and that's fine. You know, I love that. Mama has the old mentality, though, and I think it's just because, like, coming from another country, right. you know, they just, you know, my mom just wants my brother and I to do well in this life, like, and that's mm-hmm. a very noble intention, you know? I think sometimes she doesn't understand, like, you know, because my brother and I are both millennials, it's right. different for us now. It's different than how it was 20 years ago, or with her bosses, who all got <laughs> jobs I mean, because she worked for lawyers, basically, and <laughs> it's, it's different now. And you're doing the best you can in this, with the circumstances you're in. And I think in like with families that, you know, children, children of immigrants, their families tend to compare to others. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, you can't compare people. It does no good. It makes Mm -hmm. me feel worse. And I'm on a different path than others are. I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm not going to be an engineer. You're lucky that I even want to be a lawyer and that's why I to be a lawyer. So so so, so cuz my mom asked why why didn't you want to be a doctor? I'm like, I don't want people's life in my hands like that. Absolutely not. I have too much
0: too, too much anxiety. No way. So I know you at least picked one of the trifecta, doctor, engineer lawyer. I know. I know. I know, well, the lawyer,
1: the law- and in lawyers, it's like, the stress levels are just as bad as a doctor, so, you yeah. know, yeah, and there's a lot that has to change in the legal profession, like, mm-hmm. it's not healthy, you know, kind of like, I think work-life balance is something that really needs to be emphasized in, in the legal world, because it's not, right. Um And how to handle stress. A lot of times it's unhealthy where you go to a bar review or like do a meetup. It starts in law school. You do a meetup and it involves drinking and, you know, that's what gets people to come. That's what you set yourself, your events around. and, And that's, that's not fair either, because then you're perpetuating this process. Like, well, I have to drink in order to feel better about everything. And I'm like, that's not right. it has to be. It doesn't have to be that way. And there are people who don't drink that are fine. Like I don't drink. I'm fine. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's not the end of the world. Like you can do an event that doesn't have alcohol and still de-stress and enjoy yourself because all your habits as a lawyer, they all start in law school. Mm. And I told one of my friends that in a clinic, I'm like, he, what, he left, um, he left a, a his a filing or all the paperwork for one person. I'm like, we might be in the galley, but I see it. I literally turned it over and I said, "Don't!" I said to him, "Don't do that." And he just looked at me like, "Who? What the hell's wrong with you?" I'm like, <laughs> and I, I'm like, turn. I said, "Turn it over. That's confidential information. I should not be seeing that, even though I'm, mm-hmm. I'm with you in this clinic. That's your client, not mine. Turn it over." And then he didn't listen to me. He still had it, like kind of. I'm like. But that's where the bad habits start in law school. And if, mm. you if you don't correct those habits in law school, they follow you as a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why sometimes we have some kind of crummy lawyers because they've had bad habits that have carried them throughout, throughout law school and into their life as a lawyer. Mm-hmm. So there's thing I could say in that sense is be aware of your habits in law school, especially when you mm-hmm. have to do legal work. Because those—that's right. the starting point. If you don't, if you're never encouraged to do better or to take away something that's wrong, you're gonna always think it's fine because no one caught you, and it's gonna follow you to law school. And there's gonna be a time where it's gonna happen, and it's not forgivable. Like most yeah. mistakes are forgivable, but you might find yourself at a point where you're at an unforgivable mistake.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I love this conversation having entertainment industry, law school, and kind of figuring out and navigating your path as a uh, child of immigrants, which we talked a little bit about the, the nuances with that. Um, is, are there any last words of advice that you would like to give any student listening in? And uh, if they wanted to connect with you, where can they find you?
1: Oh, sure. So I think any just last minute stuff, I think I know it's just what. What is this generation? Generation Z, Generation yeah. A. I don't even know what they are anymore. <laughs> Gen Z. Gen Z. It's Gen Z right now. Still okay. Yeah. I think with that, I think with them, it's like the world is harder. I that I do not lose. That's not lost on me at all. It's a pandemic, you know, and the ripple effects of that pandemic will go on for probably years. But mm-hmm. I think learning to be resourceful and. Mm-hmm making do with what you have is enough. You know, it's not, it doesn't mean you're mediocre. It doesn't mean you don't want to strive for excellence. It's just giving yourself the grace, like, hey, this is what I got right now. The way you can be excellent is to be excellent in the things that you do have that are in your mm. control. So be excellent in what you have and not so much, why can't I do it this way? I mean, you're not mediocre. And I think if you turn off all the noise, And not compare yourself to others. It does you wonders because then you're on your own path. And go to people when you want support, not to size them up. Going, all right, well, I'm doing better than them. Oh crap, I'm not doing better than them, because it does you no good. And as as the world gets more interconnected, especially with geopolitics, we become more interconnected, and we can't just be isolated anymore. We have to work together. So see it as an opportunity. As working with the future peers, like that's what we say in law school, like if you stay in the state you're in, that's the people you're going to work with. Mm-hmm. So you better make sure that you can be around these people and collaborate with at least a few of them. Right. You know? The legal communities are small. Even though we mm-hmm. say there's too many lawyers, They are <laughs> the immediate legal communities in your city are actually quite small where you will right. get to probably know everybody within five years. Right. Oh, Absolutely. and then how to contact me. Um, so I, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I think my name is posted on my Zoom. Just look for me with that. And then I'll say the last job, we'll say Tennis Channel. And then you can also email me. I, my email box is forever open. It's um and Frank. And then my entire last name, M-O-K-H-T-A-R at gmail.com. And it's all one word. So those are the best ways you can contact me. And even if you see this podcast months or even <laughs> after the fact, you know, the inbox is always open, like, and the LinkedIn request is always open for you to accept because these questions are, I don't think, uh, you know, I don't care. Like I'm always interested in helping people because I know I didn't have a lot of resources. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents did the best they could, but I don't want others to feel that there's no help, you know, right. and then that, like my situation is very different than many others. Some people could even have it worse than I have, but I right. don't want people to feel alone or feel like they can't go to college or to get that dream job because mm-hmm. they don't know who to go to. So I always feel like I'm one person, but one is better than zero. So yeah, hesitate to ask any question, you know, anything we talked about, you know, I'm happy to answer, even do a chat, or just get you figuring out like where to go. Like I do, like essay. Like I used to read. I used to read personal statements, like for oh, random people, cool. like for random people online too. I was in a forum, and I'm like, I'll read your essays. I did that for one person, and like I think I became Facebook friends with her because of it. I still, and I'm still friends with her. So because I read her essay. You know, and I, I love that. I and mean, we went over, and I did it for friends, and you know, I did it for law school. I do, I, mm-hmm. I used to do it for the legal fraternity I'm in. Like, I would offer it to our pre-law students if they want to go to law school, mm-hmm. and I would, I would always offer it so that even that I'm always open to reading personal statement because, you know, sometimes people think like, hey, like I have to write this sob story. and I'm like, no, right. you don't have to. Not you just to. gotta write a story that's intriguing and interesting that I can read for two pages but it's also true to yourself and showing right. yourself that because that's all it really is. It's how well you can write and how you can make something interesting. could be the most boring thing. I remember reading an essay that was not like this. Oh my God, like everybody around me died and you know, I was homeless. Like it was just a simple story. Like, Hey, I did dance and it became a thing I, that I was very passionate about. And it was a great, and I said, it was like, Oh, should I write something? like, no, don't write anything else. Yeah just make this you make it your voice because right what they want to hear it's what they need to hear and they need to hear your voice so right right that's that's my two
0: cents on the essays (laughs) I love that maybe we'll come back for a part two to talk about personal statements oh yeah absolutely uh, I I would love to do
1: that I haven't I haven't done
0: it in two years so
1: I might be rusty but I still I still love doing it because it was always you know, kind of, it, it, it actually helps you. Like if you're on the border, you it, you can actually get in with your essay. So right. at least in college, I can't speak for law school, but at least in college, that is- the Oh key. yeah,
0: absolutely. I totally agree with that. The essay is so important. So stay tuned for a part two. We're gonna talk about grad school essays and I will put all of her contact information in the show notes in case um, you missed uh, what her LinkedIn and her email is. Everything will be in the show notes and on the website. So thank you so much, Faiza, for joining me today. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Until next time. There you have it, my friends. That is the episode of College and Career Coffee Chat. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe, like, share. Tell your friends, tell your dogs, tell your family. Tell your co-workers, tell your colleagues, your mentors. Anyone you think would find value in this episode and this podcast. And I hope you follow me on Instagram at Delicia D. Alarcon on TikTok, TikTok Career Coach for some dancing, some free resources on YouTube at Veli Academy. And you can always check out the website for updates, deliciaallercon.com for coaching support, VIP days, mini courses, free resources and guides. Everything's on the website, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. And make sure you join the free Facebook group where we will do trainings and hype each other up in the college and career hype crew on facebook all the links are down below let me know if you have any questions concerns and anything specific you want us to talk about on this podcast any feedback you have i'm always here to listen and learn so until next time my friends cheers see you in the next episode ciao